Aloha! Welcome to the Hale o Nakaula podcast. We are based upcountry on the stunning island of Maui. If you have any questions or want to know more about us, you can always check us out at hokmaui.com. We would love to connect with you on social media throughout the week on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Today, our pastor, Daniel Oliveira, speaks about the importance of us becoming equipped to walk according to God's will. Colossians 3:16 to 17. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Awesome. We bless his word. You know, one thing that kind of triggered this word for me was thinking about being a Christian. And what does it mean to be a Christian? You know, what it means for us today, but what, what did it mean when the New Testament was being written? You know, the dates are not... There are disputes about the dates, but we basically know that Christ was crucified around the year 33, and the temple was destroyed in the year 70. Apostle Paul, that wrote most of the New Testament, was martyred before the destruction of the temple. So what we have as the foundation of the New Testament church mostly was written before the destruction of the temple. So the letters of Paul to the churches were all written, some of them while he was in prison in Rome, before he was killed. So my drive is, okay, when we talk about the restoration of the church, we need to go back to the foundations of the church. And what happened during these first centuries is that the church was being persecuted. They didn't have the freedom to go to a place like this one to worship. Because they were considered like against Rome. So Christians were used in the the games to entertain the Romans. So the atmosphere in a church at that time was probably a lot different than what we we think about it today. Right? So to me, I'm, I'm always asking, Lord, how can we continue finding what is your perfect will for the church today? What is it that you want? us to do. We just sang this song, Your Will Be Done in Me. Right? And that leads us to the prayer of the Lord teaching the disciples to pray. He said, pray then in this way, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So even before 
you start praying, you're not necessarily asking for something. You're praying for His will to be done. And I think that that's very important because we learn from Jesus the example that I only say what I hear the Father say. I only do what I see the Father doing. And He's Jesus Christ, right? The Messiah. He is the example. That's why we are called Christians. So for us to walk and as Christians and live a, a life of prayer, I think that the first thing we need to do is, what is God's will? What is God's will for my life? What is God's will for your life? What is God's will for this church? I don't need to come with my opinions. I don't need to have an opinion. My job is to find out what God wills and align myself to that because if I can't do that, I guarantee you one thing. Your life is going to be hard. Ask Jonah. Jonah, a prophet in the Old Testament, God told him what his will was. And Jonah decided that that was not his will. And then his life was a bit challenging until God maneuvered Jonah into willing to do God's will. And I think that a lot of times that's what happens with us. God is always trying to drive us through the oceans of life and the shipwrecks to bring us back to his will. And then he goes on, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts and lead us not into temptation. So, Lord, bless us with this. With this prayer, we learn that there, there is a will of God. And then I want to work on this because what is the will of God for us? Why do we come to church? Why do we worship? Why do we receive salvation? Why do we receive laying on of hands? Why there is so much teaching? Hopefully more than preaching. Right? Ephesians 4.11 says, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. So the function of these fivefold ministries is to equip the saints for the work of service. Why? Because the plan, the will of God is, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we're no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. By the trickery of man, by craftiness, in deceitful scheming. This is important because 
it's very easy for a ministry to keep you immature. And I think that that's what Paul is talking about here, the trickery of man. When I don't do my job, the saints are not equipped. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part. This is not talking about the fivefold ministries. Is that clear? Yes. The whole body being fit and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. I want to read this one more time. Because I want something to get unstuck in our brains. Tell you about the transition of this early church, the first century church, when they were under persecution. And then they were still a sect of worshiping in the temple. They were still part of Judaism until later in the year 300 and something when Constantine, the emperor, brought Christianity to Rome. And with that, the rule of the bishops, the bishop of Rome. And then this stopped working. Lord, thy will be done in your church. Proper working of each individual part. That was the first step to the the dark ages. The thousand years of darkness in the church. The return to what God intended the church to be requires that each part, each joint, be equipped and be matured and contribute to the building up of the body of Christ. First Timothy 4, until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to the exhortation and teaching. That's what we should be doing. <laughs> exhortation, teaching. Why exhortation? Because they were suffering. The Christians were being martyred. They were being persecuted. 
It was not easy. You know, but they would still come together. A lot of times in the middle of the night. In places that they could not tell anybody. Because if the Romans were here, they would just come and kill all of them at once. In the darkness of caves, they would come together to teach and read the letters of Paul and read the Old Testament and teach and talk about the last Passover and talk about the miracles and talk about the healings. And that would encourage them because they would be telling, I remember I was there. And maybe would, somebody would come crippled with that one eye or two. Somebody would bring them and like, yeah, I was there. And then I was arrested, but I got to escape and I'm here to tell you. I saw him resurrected. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. Take pains with these things and be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevering these things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. Picture this, like Paul is writing to Timothy. He may or may not, maybe I think Timothy went to visit him one time in prison after this first letter. But he was never released from prison. But he was still saying, Cheer up. Remember what I taught, taught you. Remember the reading of the scriptures. What scriptures? At that time, it was only the Old Testament. But remember that they were bringing the light of the Holy Spirit to the scriptures of the Old Testament. And they would probably read Isaiah and say, look at this. This is what it was speaking about the Messiah. And they were like, oh my God, we never saw that before. Right? Read the scriptures. Do not neglect the spiritual gift. Ephesians 5 and this is Paul, a chapter later. But remember, it's just the same letter that he was writing to the Ephesians. And we read Ephesians 4, and now he's saying, how do you do this? How do you do the each part working? How can you build up the body? How can you participate Ephesians 5, 19. The end of 18. But be filled with the Spirit. 
speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. And be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. How do we walk in Ephesians 4? The exhortation about each part participating. When we come together, we all participate. And I bless that for us. This is on another letter in Colossians 3. He's also teaching, equipping the saints in the different churches. How? He was doing his work as the apostle. He was equipping. He was teaching them. How are you going to do this? How are we going to walk and be a church? Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. Whatever we do, in words or deeds, we're doing to the Lord for the building up of the body of Christ. And one of the questions that comes like, what are you equipped for? And I, I don't think that we're just equipped to be here singing to one another and blessing one another and praying for one another. You know, remember that the church, they were, people were coming because there, there was a clear distinction among the Christians and the love that existed among them and how they cared for the widows, for the orphans, how they cared for one another. And there was no one in need among them. But that's what drew people. You know, and then they were being taught and equipped to talk to people and tell people all of this, all these prophecies of the Old Testament, they have been fulfilled. We have been redeemed. We have been saved. And they did that. Don't you wish we could have a little video of uh, the, the saints worshiping? and taking communion in what they call the catacombs. You know, and now they go and they find all the drawings of them taking communion and worshiping together. And there was a, a joy despite the circumstances. But they were the original <laughs> 
thing that God was planning for his church. You read in some of the letters, you know, how one church was taking money to send to the Jews that were in need in Jerusalem. And how they, they had a communication, they had a heart and a concern for each other. Lord, bless that for us. Restore your church. Your will be done in your church. There is a will of God in heaven. And that's what Christ did. He would know, Father, am I supposed to heal this one? Am I supposed to bless this one? And he would only do or say, because he was in this constant relationship with the Father. And we, we need that. I need that. Lord, in everything that I do, in word or deed, I want to do it for you, with you. I bless this for us. I'm going to just add one verse here that I don't know if I should or not. The Father is always telling me this, this verse here. You know, but I bless this for us. Because to me, this is the letter of John the Beloved in Revelation 2 to, to the churches. And he was writing to the seven churches in Asia. Historically, theologians interpret this as the seven phases of the church history. I don't know. I think they are descriptions of any church at any time. You know, but that's what he says there. You know, like, if you have ears to hear, hear. (laughs) Because I'm speaking to you. So you go and find it from the Lord, right? But let me read here, Revelation 2. Verse 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write, The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this, I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and they are not. And you found them to be false. So we know that the book of Revelations was written by John the Beloved in the Isle of Patmos where he died, right? He was in exile. So this is probably the end of the first century. So he was writing and already describing the reality of the churches at the end of the first century. How so quickly they lost the purity. I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not. And you found them to be false. 
And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore, this is what is important for me. Remember where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first. Or else I'm coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. So to me, this is where, for us, it comes with a warning. You know, that we cannot leave our first love. And I bless our first love with the living word, with the scriptures, with the worship, with the Lord. You know, and I bless that we never forget why we're here. <laughs> we're here to be equipped. We are here to stir up the gifts. We are here not to be fed. But we're here to grow. And I bless that for us. I am asking myself, God, what is your will? What is your will for me? And I think that we all should be asking the same question. There is a will of God, and what is it for me? Am I walking in the will of God for my life? Am I doing what I should be doing with what I have received? Am I exercising the muscles? Am I exercising the gifts? And I'm not saying who is and who is not. I'm just saying, Lord, I don't want you to remove the lampstand out of its place. You know, but that this is what the Lord was speaking to the church. If you don't, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to remove the light. I'm going to remove the lamp. And I bless that for us. Lord, we want to be the, the school prophets. Do not let us appoint a king over us or anybody, a ministry, anybody that will substitute you and the need for me to get to know you, the need for me to find you in the word. Amen? Amen. Did this bless you? Yes. Mahalo for listening to this message. If you are led to leave a rating and review, please feel free to do so. May God bless you.